Welcome to this Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the South Fork. All who come here are welcome. And I see it's a little bit like families in the room today. Uh, and you are all welcome on this day of indigenous people. We are a congregation that is both lay and minister-led. And my name is Christine Epifani. I'm a worship associate. I'm in the pulpit. And we have uh, Bill Dulcimer, one of our members, uh, who will be the presenter for today. And there is our minister, Nancy Arnold, who is usually in the pulpit two to three uh, weeks out of the month. Um, what I would ask you all to do is to please turn off any uh, cell phones that you have. You don't want to throw us off. Thank you. And the other thing is I hope that all of you will join us for coffee hour after this uh, service. And our musician for today is Abby. You know, I almost said Abby Ginsburg, which is an old friend of mine from college, and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> uh, are there any announcements that need to be made? Martha. Yeah, I will be selling tickets for Valerie's concert after service. I hope you'll all be there. I think it's going to be a wonderful concert. Any other announcements? Jamie. with an announcement. All right, then um, Bill. Today, today's call of worship are um, words from Kathleen Mateague. We come together this morning to remind one another to rest for a moment on the forming edge of our lives, to resist the headlong tumble into the next moment until we claim for ourselves awareness and gratitude, taking the time to look into one another's faces and see their communion, the reflection of our own eyes. This house of laughter and silence, memory and hope is hallowed by our presence together. Please uh, join me in words for lighting the chalice which are written in your program. Each morning we must hold out the chalice of our being to receive, to carry, and to give back. Uh, now if you would stand as you are willing and able for our hymn. 1008 in the teal hymnal when our hearts are in a holy place.
and placed Weisberg under siege, the wives of the besieged castle negotiated a surrender, which granted them the right to leave with whatever they could carry on their shoulders. They didn't have brown paper bags at that time. The king allowed them that much. Leaving everything else aside, each woman took her own husband and children on her shoulders and carried them out. When the king's people saw what was happening, many of them said that that was not what he had meant and wanted to put a stop to it. But the king laughed and accepted the woman's clever trick. A king, he said, should always stand by his words. And now we'd like our children to go with Jamie. And would we like to sing them out, please? Go down in peace, go down in peace. May the Spirit of love surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Testing. This is the time in our service when we listen as a caring community to the joys and concerns and what is in your heart. I'm going to go around with the microphone and please share with us. And Bill will light candles. Children in Riverhead, and they're looking for volunteers. And it's the energy there is 
amazing, and it was a real joy to be with them. I'd like to light a candle for all of the people worldwide who are suffering from Ebola, who are in threat of contracting Ebola, and for all of the healthcare workers who are so courageous in responding to this. May we all keep our heads about us and not respond with hysteria, and but with compassion and understanding and with the knowledge that we'll defeat this. And I'd like to light a candle in celebration of Malala, who became the youngest uh, person to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. It was only two years ago that she had been shot in the face by the Taliban because she wanted to go to school. One last candle. One last candle for all those joys and concerns that remain silent. And during the offertory, if you would like to come and light a candle uh, in private, please do that. This congregation, this congregation is the recipient of many things from many people. Uh, some are with our hands, some is, some is what we do with others. And uh, there are many people uh, who contribute to making this congregation work, uh, including, uh, for instance, John set up this morning. We have our greeters and our hospitality people and Abby, our musician. And I'd like to thank all of them. And one last person, Jean, our soup lady. Uh, but we also uh, do work in the community and maintain this congregation and now is also the time when we ask you to be generous in the offertory in terms of any financial assistance you would like to give. There are two baskets that will go around. The one that goes around uh, in the uh, pews is for the work inside this congregation and the Helping Hand Fund Bowl uh, which services the outside community is in the back. The offertory will now be gratefully received.
Thank you, Abby. Um, I remind you that tomorrow, Monday, is Indigenous Peoples Day, also known as Native American Day or the Day of the People. It's also Columbus Day. Of this, we need no reminding. For most of us of a certain age, we were early taught that Columbus discovered America, a new world. We were taught that Columbus was a courageous man who set out to prove that the world was round and to seek a shorter way to the lands of the East to bring coveted silks and spices back for the civilized people of the West. These early lessons we carry with us. Hero worship of a certain kind was encouraged, often overlooking the facts and the details of a far more complicated tale. In the words of Columbus, who many now see as an abusive relative, they brought us parrots and balls of cotton and spears and many other things which they exchanged for glass beads and hawk's bells. They willingly traded everything they owned. They were well built with good bodies and handsome features. They do not bear arms and do not, kn and do not know them. For I showed them a sword. They took it by the edge and cut themselves out of ignorance. They have no iron. Their spears are made of cane. They would make fine servants. With 50 men, we could subjugate them all and make them do whatever we want. Words of Columbus. And he goes on. As soon as I arrived in the Indies on the first island which I found, I took some of the natives by force in order that they might learn and might give me information of whatever there is in these parts. Howard Zinn, noted historian and professor of Boston U and A People's History of the United States, reminds us that Columbus brought unmitigated suffering to this new world, a level of exploitation, subjugation, and oppression hard to imagine. He led the way for other conquistadors, men such as Herman Cortez and Francisco Pizarro, seeking the riches of this land, gold, silver, slaves, in the name of religion and royalty, and who brought with them disease, weapons used for mass murder, the slaughter of women and children, forceful religious conversions. Now, would you please join me in a time of meditation? Um, we'll start with, we'll start with singing, if I can get this right, if we can start with some singing of the spirit of life, quietly and seated, it's Hymn number one, two, three in your hymnal. It's probably the only number of any hymn I remember. I think it's one, two, three. Um, that will be followed by some words of meditation and followed by silence, followed by a musical interlude.
pause on this Indigenous Peoples Day, this Native American Day, this Day of the People, and yes, tomorrow Columbus Day, to hope for a day in which the whole story of our past will be told in a way that honors all that is honorable and reveals all that is not honorable, so that we can move forward to a new day of reconciliation, peace, and prosperity for all. We will not forget Columbus, but we will be honest about his successes and failures. We will not ignore the genocide and slave trade that followed 1492, nor will we ignore the present inequities that are directly linked to policies of the past. We will not be those who hate everything about our nation because we'll be honest enough about the past to lovingly build a future that embraces us all with the arm, within the arms of the beloved community. May we hold the silence.
We're now going to hear from Bill Dalsimer, a longtime member of this congregation. He's going to share with us some very uh, interesting reflections on the things that we carry. And then there will be a second thing that we're going to do, which have to do with the brown bags that we handed out to you. And we're all going to talk together. So Bill, would you give us the start? Thank you. Thanks, Chris. A friend and I spent 18 days in September on a sailboat measuring 30 feet long and 10 feet wide at its widest part. We sailed from Southampton to Martha's Vineyard with stops along the way at a number of beautiful picturesque harbors. We had glorious rainless days and sunny days. We had wind and no wind. Well, there's nothing like living with another person in a space that measures 200 square feet to get one thinking about what we brought with us and why, about what was needed for pleasure, for comfort, for emergencies. We carried a compass and a global positioning device, a marine radio, anchor and lines, sails and water, an inflatable dink, an outboard, and tools. We carried a knife and four forks, four spoons, a pot, a skillet, a coffee maker, peanut butter and jelly, coffee, cheese and crackers, canned soups in three varieties, and other edibles. We carried clothing for warm, cold, and rainy days, a first aid kit, sleeping bags and wool blankets, life preservers. We carried a hat and sunscreen, books and charts. We carried most of the essential items crammed into all the available spaces. But those essentials weren't the only, were only a small, were only a small part of the things we carried. This past winter, I sold my house of more than 45 years, a house full of stuff and memories. Memories of newborn children and growing children, of the joy of the life and death of dogs and cats, of joys and disappointments. As the time for closing approached, I knew that I needed to consider each item, box and label, keep, dump, store, what to do with a garage full of garden tools in duplicate, old bicycles, some unridden for more than 20 years, tangled and broken fishing rods, scraps of lumber saved for projects never started, lawnmowers and weed whackers, skates and skis. Then there was the basement, piled high with filing boxes containing hundreds of old case files from decades of law practice all dating back 10 to 30 years. I knew that those molding, moldering files had long outlived their usefulness, represented a connection to my identity as an attorney, an identity all but impossible to relinquish. The sadness and relief I felt as I watched each file move up the conveyor belt into the shredding machine of the truck parked in my drive one fall day still brings tears of nostalgia and a sense of loss. 
There were also trunks, trunks filled with yellowing family pictures, some unidentifiable. Report cards from my own elementary school, my kids' birth announcements, tax returns from the 1960s, commemorative albums from the dedication of this meeting house, and yearbooks and tearbooks. And there were the clothes, the clothes, piles of them, unmatched socks and pants, coats, shirts, moth-eaten sweaters, many not worn for years, as if they could still fit my changing shape. There was the furniture, beds and tables, couches, chairs, lamps, the waffle iron, a crock pot, remember them? And assorted kitchen equipment, shelves of books, read and unread, bedding and towels, many ready for the rag bag. You can imagine the list of stuff as it grew longer and longer. And so on this voyage, I carried memories and created new ones. Bob, my sailing companion, is one of my oldest and dearest friends, a friend from junior high school days, a friend of more than 60 years. This friendship has weathered time and tragedy. There were memories of our Sea Scout troop, high school socials, awkward. Two months in Europe on $5 a day, I don't know if who, who remembers that one, um, there were memories of losses, a wife taken too early of cancer, divorces, children in adulthood who still present more than enough sleepless nights, career disappointment, and courses set anew. There were shared silences between old friends and times of frustration and annoyances as we struggled to understand the changing weather patterns, the weather patterns, confusing seas which set upon us as tide and wind conditions changed. There were the shared joys of watching schools of fish jumping and a glowing sunset, hearing the cries of gulls and the taste of a shot of scotch before dinner. There is a commonality to some, but not all, things we carry, tangible things as well as intangible things, those items essential to living, and those memories and feelings we hold to ourselves or share. God bless you. Some draw comfort from a well-stocked pantry. Others might define it as wretched excess, a nuisance of confusion, dusty jars, items long beyond their expiration date. Some would call it a form of hoarding. Some carry sorrows and regrets, unwilling or unable to shed them. Others seemingly shrug off those feelings with greater ease. Some of us move easily to embrace the joy of experiencing the dawn of a new day, while others face that dawn with dread. Some of us carry guilt for wrongs we think we have committed. Some of us carry what might border on envy or any of the other seven deadly sins. Ah, I envy his height, his full head of hair, her unfailing memory, the ease with which she entertains. Most of us carry some fears, some joys, some anger, satisfactions, disappointments, misconceptions, and misunderstandings. Oh, the list is long. The list is unique for each of us. 
In looking to this day and every day, I encourage you to inventory the things you carry. Share thoughts with compassion, understanding, and realization that we don't all carry the same things or wish to lighten our load in the same way. But the things we carry, both tangible and intangible, define us and give context to our lives as we search for the truth and meaning of this life. Sometimes what we carry is as necessary as a compass, a faith in ourselves or our fellow man that makes us move forward with the capacity to fully live. The women of Weinsberg, Weinsberg chose to carry their husbands and children upon their backs. The king decreed that they could do so and stood aside as they marched out of the captured town. In that way, those women saved their families' lives. Well, what things do you choose to carry? Are there things that you carry with joy and love? Are there things you carry that weigh you down and you wish to shed? In our quest for truth and meaning, may the things we carry more often feel like a bag of feathers and not like a load of bricks. Walk lightly. Go in peace. Thank you, Bill, for those uh, memories. Um, what I'd like you all to do now, and this was actually Bill's idea, uh, I'd like you all to dig into those bags that we gave you, and you'll find a card and a pencil. I see you all smiling. <laughs> No pencil. Okay, well, we'll get you pencils if we need to get more pencils. What I'd like you to do is could you, on one side of the card, write something that you would like to shed? It could be tangible or intangible. And on the other side of the card, write something that you would like to keep. We're going to take a few minutes to do that, and then we're going to get into a small discussion. Who needs a pencil? Something you would like to shed and something you would like to carry with you. that last sentence. Is there anyone in any group, is there anyone in any group, and we're not going to go around to everyone, who would like to share what they shared? Pitching something. Hello, Ingrid. 
Would you like to share with us what you're throwing away? <laughs> Anybody like to share with us what they're what they're um, not carrying with them, or maybe it's easier to say not what you're shedding. What? Okay, hey, well, Diane. I have to share with my group. They got some wonderful things. One person wanted to shed guilt, um, and another person wanted to shed anxiety, and another um, one <laughs> <laughs> What would you carry with you? Another group? We all seem to want to carry our family and friends. So you're just like the women of Whitesburg. <laughs> okay. Anybody? Yes, Susan. Yeah, uh, very simple. Share mother guilt. Keep below to mother love. Okay. What else are you shedding? Anybody else shedding something different? Aging. Aging. <laughs> <laughs> Is anybody keeping aging? <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Pam. Okay. All right. And then there's always over time, this will change. The bags that you have, I'd like you to take them with you. And through the week, Put whatever else in it you want as a way to really do a reflection as if you were on that boat with Bill. <laughs> that 200 square feet, is it, or just 200 feet? 200 square feet. And you were with your best friend. It may be the person you're with now. It may be someone from childhood. And you were reflecting on your life. Do this this week. Do it as a practice if you can, and feel what comes up for you. Thank you. And now, uh, in honor of Bill's trip on his boat, please open to him number 1064, Blue Boat Home. And you can stand if you are willing or able.
if we will extinguish our chalice, if you would read the words with me. We extinguish this flame, but not the of community or the fire of commitment. And if you would all join hands or shoulders. Oh, there are miles behind you and many more ahead as you journey on towards wholeness. May all that is good and true guide your way. May the joy of love light in your step and the miracle that is life be ever in your sight. Go in peace.